You are tuned in to the Trojan Tailgate Network, where a bunch of friends from Troy University get together every week to discuss the NFL, the SEC, MLB, or NBA. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and here's your host, Hampton Sipper. Welcome in to the Trojan Tailgate Network. Another week of recapping SEC action. My name is Hampton Sipper, and I am joined by my friends Big Papa Shep, the king of hot takes, our correspondent at large, Graham Haney, and as always, the man, the myth, the legend, Wode Suave is joining us. How are we doing tonight, gentlemen? Doing pretty well, pretty well. Hey Hampton, I really like the uh, the intro this time, man. the The names just popping off the lips, popping off the lips like yes, a bass. Sir. Yes, sir. Oh my, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Like I, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about it before I went to bed last night. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Shep. Shep, how's it going, man? Man, it's going good. Can't complain. Um, I w- I don't know if I'm the king of hot takes just yet, but I love the title. Love the title. <laughs> Well, I had to put a little hyperbole in there, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to portray in the best light that I can. So, oh, okay. or, or yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe Hampton's suggesting something. Maybe you need to be the king of hot takes. Ooh. Ah, dude, but nobody ever likes the hot take guy. But the hot take guy gets listens. You know what I'm saying? Like, that gets paid. Yeah, I mean, they might not always be right, but they always have an opinion. Hashtag up my percentages. That's right. Slav, how's it going, man? Man, it's going great. I'm ready to talk about some SEC football. Had some big games this week. Ready to dive into it. What about you? Yeah, well, hey, I'm I'm ready to rock and roll. Let's dive right in to um, the slate of games this past weekend. I don't know about y'all. That might have been one of the most entertaining Saturdays in a long, long time. There were was crazy matchups, crazy upsets, um, a lot that we can learn, I think, from week three of SEC action. So let's get right into it. Florida versus Texas A&M. Wow. Uh, I mentioned on the podcast last week that I had a feeling I didn't pick A&M to win outright but I knew that they would give Florida a test because uh, I, I legit think Texas A&M is a really, really good team. Um, so they won by a final score of 41 to 38. Um, so I want to ask you, Shep, with what we saw Saturday, is Florida a championship team? Oh, me, me, me. You know what? I'm going to say Florida is on the cusp of being a championship team. I think that defensively they need to improve. But offensively, I mean, they're they're still scoring. Um, so that's tough. Uh, you know, early on I picked Georgia as my winner for the SEC East. Then I kind of flip-flopped to Florida. I think Florida – Florida's offense will keep them in enough games. Um, I think Texas A&M just, you know, Kellen on stood out, had a good game, which is um, – I don't even know if you could, like, put a put a good percentage on, you know, the likelihood of him playing well. 
Um, so I, I think they still are a championship team. I uh, just think they, they kind of lost focus this week. Yeah, I'm I'm with I, – I like that take. I like that take. I think that's a measured response and not overreacting to one game. But, Graham, what do you think, man? Man, I finally did the pickums that Shep does every week. And, man, was I wrong on practically every single one. <laughs> I, I finally get you into and it, both. and then there's upset, upset after upset after upset. Man, Texas A&M came to play Saturday. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts for the Florida offense and um, how they're the game changers for that Gator team. But I did mention, and I'd like to take credit for it, that that Kyle Field is going to play a factor, and it did. And the post very much did. In the post-game press conference, Dan Mullen uh, had a, a lot of praise for the Texas A&M fan base because uh, it was just a loud stadium that was rocking. But, man, Kellen Mond showing up to play, it, he looked like a, a really good quarterback. I, I think that the Texas A&M offense uh, really clicked on all cylinders uh, Saturday. That might be because the Florida defense is so bad, but uh, Florida's also had some tough tests on the road. I mean, they the first week of the season they go uh, to Ole Miss and play a Lane Kiffin team that can just score a lot of points. And then they uh, go to college station and have to play Texas A&M. Like Florida's just getting some tough games on the road. Suave, what do you think about Kellen Mond's performance? Was was this just an outlier or, or we, we see more of, of Kellen Mond like this for the rest of the year? That's a good question. I, I do think this is – Kellen Mond plays a lot better when he's at home and they have the crowd fit, crowd fit advantage. I mean, he was 25 of 35 for 338 with three touchdowns. And, I mean, mm. you look at the running back. Last week we were talking about the number zero running back. This week it was the actual starting running back with Isaiah Spiller. He had 174 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, they were just dynamic on offense. But you have to give some downside to the Florida defense. They were playing the Ole Miss team. First week they give up 30-plus points. They play a South Carolina team. The following week at home they give up almost 28 points. And then – you give up 41 to A&M. So, I, I, A&M moved the ball on them. But, but Florida's defense has a lot of improvement to make. What do you think about the game, Hampton? Graham, to go back to your question, is this an outlier for Kellen Mond? I think this is who Kellen Mond has been his whole career. When we were previewing the Alabama A&M game the previous week, I talked about how their games where Kellamon looks like a dang first round pick. And then there are games where he'll go out and lay an egg and you're like, this dude has all the physical tools in the world and he just doesn't perform consistently. Uh, you never know what you're going to get. And he played out of his mind uh, Saturday against the Gators. He uh, suave read off his stats, but when in watching the game, he threw, some incredible balls down the field. Um, and I think one thing that really helped him was the running game was working. Isaiah Spiller, 27 carries, 174 yards. I don't know if y'all saw the uh, the linebacker or cornerback that he trucked on Florida, but that was just <laughs> nasty um, and kind of embarrassing for the Gator defender there. Um, Anaya Smith, who was the running back the previous week, 
um, versus Alabama. They moved, they flexed him out to wide receiver, his natural position, and he, the threat of his playmaking ability alone, um, allowed for a guy named Caleb Chapman, who I've never heard of in my life. He went for nine um, receptions for 151 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so I think not only did Kellamon play well, but his supporting cast played really well. They stepped up, elevated their game, and they were able to get they were able to get the win. But also, as we talked about on here last week, I think Jimbo did a really good job of like calling plays to fit Kellamon's strengths, which we said he hadn't been doing. Uh, there was a lot more RPO style um, plays being called. Uh, he was stretching the ball down the field vertically, which I think is Kellamon's strong suit because um, he has a rocket arm. So I think all around, um, it was just a great performance from the coaching uh, to the players on the field. I think they really performed well. Um, real quick on Florida, offense is amazing. Kyle Trask, another 312-yard, four-touchdown day. I mean, yawn. That's just what he's been doing the whole year. Um, Kyle Pitts actually got limited in this game, so Texas A&M did a good job on him, uh, even though it seemed like he was a little banged up during the game. Um, but their defense, man, is – it's an issue. And I get that they're missing people. And, uh, I mean, league-wide in the SEC, other than Georgia, there hadn't been that great of defensive play around the league. Tackling's been bad, busted assignments, um, not the caliber of defense that we're used to seeing week in and week out. So I think they can definitely still compete um, in the SEC East, but they have a lot to fix before that happens. Uh, hey, do y'all have I, any more? Go ahead, Graham. Yeah, I, I got a question just about that. Do you, do you think that the poor defensive play we've seen at SEC has to do with uh, the limitations from uh, the coronavirus and uh, the limiting on, on physical contact and practice and stuff like that. Do you think that uh, plays a part on it? And come back to me I after think, your answer because I, I do have another question, but go ahead. Okay, awesome. I think that's a great question. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Absolutely, I think that has played um, – that has definitely played a pivotal role um, in that. And I think offensive offenses have gotten a lot better – as well, I mean, look at Lane Kiffin, what he's been doing. Mike Leach coming into the SEC, even though they haven't been good the first or the last two weeks, um, still a different style offense um, that the league is accustomed to. So I think a combination of high-flying, innovative offenses that make it complicated for you to defend um, in today's college game and the lack of uh, spring practice and – uh, a limited fall camp have really contributed to the defensive struggles. But hit me with your other question. What you got hold for hold us? Hey, hey, Graham, before you ask that next question, I'd like to add a little bit. Um, Go ahead. To that. I think a big thing um, this year, and from my perspective, I have a love-hate relationship with the SEC versus SEC every week. Um, and I know it's different okay. this year, but, I mean, you got to think, they've played three full weeks already, and nobody's had an opportunity to play a cupcake game. Like, defenses are literally like they're going up against some of the best athletes and it's like there's no all it's all gas no breaks this year yeah yeah great point ship i agree on that i i got another question that maybe will open up some discussion about it um 
Texas A&M came, you know, they, they came to play Saturday. Do y'all think Texas A&M is the second best team in the SEC West? If Absolutely. Not, if not, who do you think is? I mean, Hampton, you go ahead and take the wheel, but I'd like to hear everybody's response for that. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm going to keep it really quick. I absolutely think they are. I said that after um, the Alabama game that I thought that they were the second best team. Um, LSU, as we have seen, has a lot of issues. I don't think. Um, I don't think they're very good at all. Auburn, yee. We'll talk about them in a little <laughs> in a little bit, but um, they have some issues. Um, and that's not my Bamer coming out in me. That's just the objective truth. Um, I would say, honestly, the debate between the second-best team is um, them and Ole Miss. And I know that sounds wild, but oh, Ole Miss's offense kind of keeps them in that contention. But I get the edge to A&M because I think in the trenches they have real difference makers – difference makers and real dudes that can kind of impact the ball game, unlike Ole Miss. So, Shep, what's, what's your answer to that, man? Uh, I, I'm not a believer in a and I know, I know it's like a, a every week thing with me, but I just don't think uh-huh. – I, I, I mean, I don't believe in them. Uh, you, you look back at their first three games, they score 17, they score 24, and then 41 this past week. Um, I'm with you. You know, many people probably wouldn't think so, but I like Ole Miss – as, as the second best team, um, mm-hmm. I think they're at a point where, like, defensively they know they can't stop anybody, but they know they can score. I just don't know how much Texas A&M can score. You know, does that make sense? Um, I just don't mm-hmm. think that I, – I just don't – I don't think their offense at Texas A&M is going to keep up with the points that they give up each week. I think Ole Miss has the firepower to do so just in their scheme and, and the athletes that they have, but I'm, I'm not high on A&M whatsoever um i know you know they beat florida this week but you could also look back on it and look at it as an anomaly um if you really look at jimbo's past success um in years you know he always wins one big game um and Mm -hmm. and that's usually usually how it goes swab what what do you think on on the sec west i like all of y'all's opinions on a and m uh i'm gonna go with a and m old miss and maybe throw in lsu but lsu has to get the defensive side of the ball squared away you, you, you cannot give up 45 points to Missouri. Uh, I mean, now I know they just got a coach, and it, the time change probably made, paid, a, paid a big factor in that because it was supposed to be in Baton Rouge, I believe. Hey. But but then again – Time change don't have anything to do with receivers running <laughs> wide open downfield like three or four times during the game. Well, they technically are in the same time zone, so. I mean, true, very true. Um but, but LSU, LSU, they made a good job, Swab. LSU could have uh, been an hour late and still lost. So. <laughs> yeah. well, they were an hour late. <laughs> amen, amen to that. Yeah, but continue your thoughts, Swab. No, I'm sorry, you, I didn't mean to interrupt. You're good. You're good. But yes, I, I won't have to agree. A and M and Ole Miss. It, it's a tie. Is A and M going to be able to keep that play up on the road, or is that just as you said for Kellamon? Is that is that what he's always been? Mm-hmm. He's just going to be the hometown hero. And yeah. with Ole Miss, you, you've seen it week after week. They are putting up the points. It, I mean, they're going to be serious. I I give Ole Miss another year before they become probably the second team. But as, a, as of right now, they are a serious contender. I like all those responses. Um, I'm – 
I'm going to go with Texas A&M and Auburn probably competing for my second best in the West. I think I think Auburn – you literally sound like a broken record. Like, I'm not even joking. I'm just I know. Um, I, I think Auburn has the pieces to put it together. I'm not saying that they're going to go uh, undefeated the rest of the year, but, but Auburn, if they can figure out – uh, an offensive line, uh, th- then maybe they can uh, they can uh, pull off games against uh, maybe Ole Miss, LSU, A and M. But if A and M kind of plays like they did this week, it's hard for me to pick against them. They they played uh, their offense uh, was clicking on all cylinders. Their defense uh, did enough to win the game. I'm not going to say it was stellar, but they did enough uh, mm-hmm. to to keep Florida and their high powered offense. Um, it sort of in check, um, but anyways, we can move on for that. I was just kind of wondering because we, I think we all kind of we all kind of agree that that Alabama is probably the top of the SEC West. But after mm-hmm. that, there's a big pile of question marks in the SEC West that you know we're not really sure about. Um, so we can we can go ahead and move on to the next game if you want to Hampton. Yeah, well, to not sound like a broken record, the only last thing that I'll say is that um, to Shep's point about being a little apprehensive about A&M, Jimbo Fisher, I think, is like 7-0 and or 7-1 and all-time versus Florida, um, and that's going back to his time at Florida State. So he's always had success against that program. So maybe um, maybe they will fall back down to earth uh this upcoming week so i think that was a good point um shep and um we'll talk we'll talk about auburn a little bit later and we'll briefly hit on them but um i have to disagree with yeah little graham but it's okay it's okay no hard move on no hard no hard feelings no hard feelings hey that's why we had the pod baby that's why we you know we talk and we have honest conversation and it's good to disagree sometimes. So That's right. uh, we'll move. Yeah, we'll move on to the next game. Uh, the marquee matchup of the week was Tennessee versus Georgia, and Georgia uh, ended up winning forty-four to twenty-one. Uh, so, Graham, I'm going to start with you. Um, obviously, Georgia um, in the first half they. Kind of struggled a little bit. They win the halftime, uh, losing, I believe, 21 to 17. Mm-hmm. And then the breaks came off for Tennessee. So my question for you, what does what is Tennessee lacking from like what is the next step for them to beat a Georgia or Florida in the SEC East and really compete for um, an SEC East title? Yeah, I, I think Tennessee, sort of like Auburn, has the pieces. I like Tennessee's offensive line. Um, I think their defense is uh, coached well with Derek Ansley and Jeremy Pruitt. But the thing mm-hmm. that, that Tennessee really struggled with this week was running the football. Their leading rusher was Eric Gray, and he had 25 yards rushing on eight attempts. And then you look at uh, Jarrett Guantano, he had 10 attempts for negative 40 rushing yards. I think uh, in order to beat a team like Georgia, 
same, you, you can look back at the Auburn game too. Uh, I don't know if it's Georgia's defense really just doing a great job of stopping the run, but uh, Tennessee and Auburn really struggled to run the football. And uh, playing a team like Georgia that has a, a high-powered defense, uh, if you can run the football on them, uh, wear them out a little bit, give your defense some, some time to rest up, uh, that really can make uh, the difference in, in the game. Uh, Passing-wise, Garantano, uh, he, he was fine, threw for 215, had two touchdowns and, and one interception. Uh, but running the football is where Tennessee lacked. They, they weren't really able to put it all together the, the whole game. You know, I'm sure Chef will talk about it. There was a tale of two halves. Tennessee was up 21 uh, to, to 17 at halftime, and then they came out and laid two goose eggs in the third and fourth quarter. Um, Chef, I'd like you to add add to that and kind of tell us more about the you know two different sides of the coin when it comes to uh, Tennessee showing up against Georgia. Yeah, I think, um, like you said, it was really a tale of two halves. You had the first half, um, Garantano actually looked like maybe he, he was figuring it out at quarterback a little bit. Um, Georgia was really, you know, they were giving up some yards uh, through the air. Um, I mean, Garantano, he, I mean, he didn't play bad, but he's just, he's an average quarterback. I mean, he was 23 of 36, two touchdowns and interception for 200 yards. Um, but you got to think Tennessee also scored on a fumble um, that really kept uh-huh. them in the game. Um, and that was a big momentum shift. And like Graham, like you said, Tennessee was negative one and negative one rushing yards. Like mm-hmm. you cannot win. It's hard to win in the SEC when you don't, when you're not able to run the ball, um, no matter how good the defense is or how bad the defense is. Um, and, and then Tennessee, they were four of 17 on third down. Um, so that just shows you like Georgia was getting off the field on third down and Tennessee really couldn't capitalize on anything they had going third down. Um, and then looking at it, one thing that's kind of surprising me, because um, we, we've mentioned it, and Hampton, you've really stressed this, um, Stetson Bennett is basically a micromanager of a game. I mean, he's, uh-huh. not do, he's not doing anything really well, and he's not doing anything bad enough to hurt him, hurt, hurt Georgia. Mm-hmm. So yep. from, from watching the game like progress, you see Tennessee's up at half. In my head, I was kind of thinking – when or when when maybe we see JT Daniels maybe step up and and get an opportunity to play a series or two, get in the game, see what he has, see if he can boost up this Georgia offense, and then they come out from halftime and it's like don't even worry about the offense, like the defense is gonna gonna get it figured out, um, and that's really what Georgia's done all year. If you look back at their games, their first halves have been kind of sloppy, and then their second halves have just been like total obliteration of of the other team um yeah and I want to say I saw a stat where Tennessee maybe had like 50 something yards in the second half um so that just shows you like Georgia Georgia really puts coaching in perspective at halftime um and really sees sees what's what's messing them up and how to to fix that um so Suave as we look at um you know this game what do you think is really keeping Georgia in the spotlight? Um, is it their rushing game? Is it their defense? Is it their passing game? Um, I like you to, to elaborate I'm going to say on for Georgia is going to be their defense. As you and Graham both mentioned earlier, to hold Tennessee to negative one rushing yards 
when after last week we talked about how their offensive line, they have four or five stars up there, and they just had a week where they ran for almost 200 yards on the ground. And a front seven of Georgia holds them to negative one yards, and a quarterback has 10 rushing attempts for minus 40 yards. I mean, in order to win a game in the SEC, you have to be able to run the ball to, to give you that balance. But as I said last week, the, the key for Tennessee to be able to come out and win this game was going to be the quarterback play. And it was Garrett Garantano. Like, he, he had to make the throws under pressure because I knew they were going to be down. I did not – I didn't expect Georgia to fumble on the first play of the game and give up seven points. But, I mean, that that was the main yeah. point in the game was can he make the throws because we saw what Georgia did against Auburn. Auburn couldn't run the ball. They had to rely on Bo Nix. So, on third and long, are you going to be able to make the throws? And mm-hmm. he wasn't able to. He was, as Shep said, 4-17. And that's not going to win you a game in the SEC. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Suave. I think – I think defense plays a huge factor, and Hampton, we'll let you kind of wrap up uh, this game. Um, but as you look at this game um, and you look at the defense that, that Georgia's had in the second half, um, what do you – do you think Georgia has the best defense in the SEC right now? Or the country. Ooh. Oh, okay. Mid, they definitely – teams. They definitely had the best defense in the country. Um I don't think there's any question about that. Um, I think they have elite edge guys. I think they have a good defensive line. I think Monty Rice and the Kobe Dean at linebacker are special players. I think they got Richard LeCount playing safety, who will come up and uh, lay a lick on you. Tyson Campbell um, and Stokes out at corner are really solid. I think they're just a really, really good defense. Um, and we'll talk about it more in the Alabama-Georgia preview. I'm very, very interested to see how they perform when they face an offense that can test them throwing the ball down the field because Arkansas couldn't do it. Auburn for sure couldn't do it. Tennessee for sure couldn't do it either. And looking at the box score – I get that they were not able to have a lot of success running the ball. Like, they rushed for negative one yards, but that's if you factor in Garantano being sacked. Why did Tennessee only rush the ball 16 to 17 times and threw the ball 36? I get they were playing from behind because Garantano reverted back to the norm of turning the ball over in the second half and gifted Georgia – um, like six to 13 points or something around that. Like, I think Tennessee kind of got away from what they do best, which is run the ball, and they, which is what Georgia wanted them to do. They wanted um, to make Garantano beat him with his arm, and he couldn't. Um, so I think Georgia's defense is elite. I think their offense is doing just enough right now. Um, to get by, they're leaning on that defense. They're playing ball control. They're running the ball. Um, like you said, Shep, Stetson Bennett, game manager, not doing anything for them um, to lose the game. But little tease for later in the show, he ain't going to be able to do that this upcoming week. He's not going to be able to just manage the game and not be able to make plays down the field. 
So that will be something that we really need to monitor going forward. Um, but very impressive win by Georgia, and uh, they're going to be they're going to be a handful for whoever they play the rest of the year. I, I'm in total agreement with that. Uh, so the final game that we're going to talk about, <sighs> I'm finally calmed down from it, boys. I'm finally calmed down. I can finally talk rationally about it. But Alabama versus Ole Miss. Uh, Alabama went on the road uh, to Oxford. The game gets pushed back 90 minutes due to uh, Hurricane Delta, Tropical Storm Delta. And Alabama comes out winning 63-48. to 48. Uh, Swath, I'll start with you. Does Alabama have a major problem on their defense? And if so, where – what needs to be addressed with it or who is responsible to answer your for question, it. absolutely. They have a problem on the defensive side of the ball. I do not know that in the simplified things or what, but, I mean, as we look in the past, when we play an up-tempo offense, we haven't been able to stop them. So, I do believe the cause needs to be simplified. Simplified. Ah, excuse me. Simplified. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tongue twister and you're good I have to go with Pete Golden it, it's his fault I mean he, he is a defensive coordinator you, you're supposed to call a defense that can stop an offense now, I've seen the rumors of them saying Ole Miss stole their signals well if Ole Miss is lining up so quick I mean and we're still calling in I don't think they're stealing signals we, we gotta be ready to roll but I do believe that this next week is going to be a, a big indicator on did they make the adjustments? Do they see what the problems are? And are we going to be able to, you know, hold an opponent under 20-something points? What's your take on it, Graham? Man, I don't know if – I don't know whether I, I should say Alabama's defense – uh, look confused or, or lost or just flat out bad. I, I mean, I don't – you got to give credit to, to Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss offense. They just had an answer for everything. They mm-hmm. uh, they just seemed to know what we were going to call when we were going to call it. I'm not, I'm not giving into the, you know, speculation of, of stealing signs and things like that. But I, I think that Lane Kiffin – uh, working for Nick Saban for several years, understood what got under Nick Saban's skin. And I think yeah. that's what Lane Kiffin was trying to accomplish uh, this past week. Uh, Lane Kiffin might not have known, might not have thought they could could win the game or not, but he knew that if he put up a lot of points against Alabama and kept the game close the entire game, that that would really frustrate uh, Nick Saban on the defensive side of the ball. And – what we saw is that um, as the off, as the game went on, it seems like Ole Miss's offense just seemed to to get better, and Alabama's defense just seemed to get worse. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if that's give me one second. I don't know if that's yeah, coaching. I don't know if that's uh, you know bad uh, picks by players. Uh, Mis- misreading or or not following their assignments, um, but man, it, it's concerning if you're an Alabama fan to see um, a team like Ole Miss really run the score up uh, up on you. So uh, go ahead, Hampton. You can add to it. I just wanted to finish that little point right there. 
No, you're you're fine, man. You're fine. Um, I I kind of I'll point this question to Shep, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna answer real quick. Um, you and Swab both have talked about um the coaching aspect of it, which I agree. Alabama needs to simplify the defense. Uh, I think we're asking guys to do what they're not equipped to do. Um, I think we've got um, like Will Anderson, for example. I think we need to just say, "All right, buddy." See ball, get ball, get the quarterback, put him on the ground. Um, yes, he has to have responsibility and play his assignment, but we don't need to be asking him to do things that he isn't comfortable doing yet. He's a freshman. Need to carve out a role for him um, and let him loose. So, Shep, I want to ask you, they've kind of touched on the coaching side of it, and you can touch on that a little bit too, um, of – the preparation kind of needed to play a Lane Kiffin style offense. But I want to know from you what personnel moves or personnel issues are plaguing the Alabama defense right now. Oh me, that's tough. Um, when, so let me, uh, all right. I think secondary is proven to be the main, um, the main, problem um and let me kind of explain that um okay so for me when I think about coaching um I'm I'm kind of almost at the aspect now of like everybody's offense is so potent that like will Alabama or will any team really ever have defenses like Alabama used to have in the 2010s era you know yeah um like are people just so good that defenses are just going to be like hey we need to stop three times a game and let them score the rest kind of deal. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't – I mean, I don't know if Pete Golden's the right guy for the job. Um, I, You know, they have speculation that Charlie Strong is going to take over um, at some point. Yeah, could, that's not happening. But I don't – I mean, I don't really see that as a good move either because when you look back at his track record as his last five years as a coordinator, like his, not great. his defenses were not good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think the biggest problem is the secondary, and I know I'm going to point out. Um, you know, Alabama gave up 268 rushing yards to Ole Miss, um, mm-hmm. and you know they had two rushers over 100 yards. But I think the problem is you have so much talent inside of the box that when you you stop a run or you miss a tackle, then it just opens up the passing game so much more when they know, Hey, look, we can go right over the middle and throw a post for 15 yards and then we can get negative rushing yards. You know what I mean? I just think the secondary, something has to be figured out in the middle of the field because I mean, they just look lost at times. It was almost like, and like Suave mentioned, um, people were talking about, oh, they had their plays, they had their plays. Like Ole Miss was getting in there, getting their play in. Like they were going to town. Like mm-hmm. I just don't see I, – I think Alabama has to put focus on stopping the run and it will help the secondary be better because the secondary is, is somewhat struggling in the middle of the field right behind the linebacker spot. I just think that's that's the area that needs to step up in a sense so that you allow your box, your 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 main core of more athletic, more experienced guys in that box area, like your Will Anderson. Like he was in the backfield all night. Yeah. But he I mean, they couldn't tackle. 
Like I, I saw something on Twitter. They were like, they got butter all over them. Like <laughs> they just couldn't tackle. Like I went far I from the truth. Because, <laughs> I, like I don't think it's because they're more athletic than Will Anderson. No, it was just like it was just timing. Like just getting back there. Like he was back there so quick, a slide step put him out of position. You know what I mean? Um, what do you? I mean, what do? You, what's your thoughts? What do you think needs to to improve? So real quick before I answer. When you say secondary, do you mean every single player? Or are you talking primarily <laughs> safety play? Safety play. Safety play. Yeah, safety okay. Play. I'm, yeah. I'm just I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure before I uh, <laughs> kick it into high gear here. Um, <laughs> so I don't like calling out players. I know I couldn't do what they what they do. Um, I don't have that God given ability, and I know that they're. They care about their poor performance more than I'm mad at them for not performing well. I get that. Um, I, I'm total in, in total agreement with you. Safety play has to improve. Daniel Wright does not need to be on the field. He, as I heard someone put it, he's had three bad games, and he had his worst of three bad games against Ole Miss. He was single-handedly responsible for two touchdowns. Um, the dude doesn't want to hit. He, um, I think he's trying to play hero ball, especially on the opening drive of the third quarter for Ole Miss. He comes across and tries to make a play on the ball. It was late. Then knocks Dylan Moses off of him, and he just races for the touchdown. That's not on coaching. That's on one guy being um, stubborn and making making a bad play and leading to a lot of other issues. So I think that has to improve. Um, I think Jordan Battle needs to step his game up, uh, even though he's going to be out for the first half against Georgia due to um, a targeting call with due to him being lazy and uh, being out of position. Imagine that. Um, so I think those two really need to pick it up. Um, the defensive line as a whole, um, Christian Barmore has been really disruptive. Um, I think he needs to play more assignment sound and not play – again, not play hero ball. Do your job. Like, be disruptive, make plays in the backfield, but don't go um, free – like, making up your own thing and just saying, oh, I'm going to go get ball, and then you leave the rest of the defense exposed because you're not doing uh, doing your part and playing in the scheme. DJ Dale has been really, really bad. Um, basically – He's supposed to, you know, he's playing two-gap defense lineman. He's supposed to hold um, the offense lineman up and allow the linebackers to make plays. Well, he ain't doing he ain't doing none of that. He made a couple plays in the second half, but he had – I don't think he's been very impressive. LeBron Ray, I need more from him. I think um, I think he's flashed, but I don't think he's playing with um, much consistency. Um, so, I think the DL and the safeties really need to improve. But my main my main issue with that game, and it, and I and I think I said it on last week's pod about the A and M game. I love Dylan Moses, love him, preseason All American, Buckus Award um, finalist his sophomore year. He has been really bad the past two games, and he was awful against Ole Miss. Uh, you talk about confused. On third and 27, guys, third and 27, 
they run the ball right up the middle. Corral literally gives him the ball, and he goes and chases um, a wide receiver going in motion. And it's just like looking like he has no idea what he's doing. He's not playing with any physicality. Um, I no think composure either. No compo- Nope. No composure either. Um, I don't think his effort's been great. I mean, there was two or three plays in particular. They ran an option play on third down late in the late in the fourth quarter, and it was the same play that A and M ran last week. And Will Anderson gets his dude, and what's Dylan Moses doing? He's running parallel away from the ball. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You're supposed to be the leader. You're supposed to be bringing it. You're the alpha guy. Everyone else is looking at you and feeding off you. you got to elevate your level of play. So he's been terrible. Christian Harris has been good in the first two games. He did not have a good game against Ole Miss. Um, But really, the only two guys that played worth a lick and have been really good in the first three games of the year are Patrick Sertan and Josh Job. They played really good. They've locked down the outside, um, and they've been doing their job. But everyone else has to pick it up, or it's going to be Georgia Saturday is going to be a bloodbath if they don't make the necessary corrections, including as you put, Shep, tackle. You, they have to tackle better. Like that tackling performance is an embar- is an embarrassment. I don't care if the field's wet. I don't care if you didn't practice in spring ball, summer ball, fall. That was embar- embarrassing effort, um, and I'm not going to overreact and say Alabama's defense is awful. I'm going to say that that was a really, really bad performance with a chance to prove everyone wrong against Georgia because I do think they played well against Texas A&M and Missouri. But if they lay a stinker against Georgia, it's time to hit the dang panic button. <laughs> um, so that's my thoughts on that game. Um I tell you what, you Andy, know, you mind let you mind let me add one more thing to it? Of um, course. Just before we move on, with, with this Alabama defense, I did see a lot of of gang tackling. You know, in years past, we've seen Alabama defenses that just they're just dogs out there. They just they crave hard hits mm-hmm. with five people, and it's like the whoever has the ball has nowhere to go with it because they're surrounded by Alabama defenders. And it seems yep. like I, I think that you can blame a lot of the missed tackling as well on it. It's one person hits him, and then another person hits him, and then another person hits him, and they're not all there at the same time and, and all trying to gang tackle. Um, I, I think that also kind of contributes to uh, the amount of missed tackles that they had. But I, I don't know if that's just uh, lack of effort on defense or uh, or that Alabama just doesn't have dogs on defense. But I would really like to see some more – uh, mainly effort and trying to gang tackle, um, especially a, a Georgia team coming up, just uh, really just going after the ball. Uh, everybody on the field, uh, 11 men on defense, really going to try and make the tackle. Um, I think that that could play a big part in uh, the defense going forward. Yeah, that's a great point. They need to be like a pack of wild Dobermans out there just attacking whatever <laughs> they see. That's what yeah. I would like to see. But um, – It'll be interesting. They need, they It'll need be to interesting get back sure. to recruiting the shooters, man. 
the Ruben Fosters, <laughs> I mean, the, the Tim Williams, like the Ruben Fosters, the the Brandon the, Chicken, dude, <laughs> dude, bring the shooters back. I would like to add one more thing before, before we move oh, on. Oh dear goodness! I'll also pose a question to Hampton. Okay, go ahead. So, Hampton, would you agree, Malachi Moore? has been good over the past three weeks. And what changes, if any, would you make to the secondary to improve the play? Uh, I think Malachi Moore has been really good. Um, he played incredible against State A&M, was my player of the week last week. I think for a freshman, he's going to have bump, you know, bumps in the road, but I think overall he's played really well. Uh, honestly, I would not mind, especially Jordan Battle being suspended. I've seen people suggest like putting Pat Sertan at safety and putting another corner in, um, in his place. Cause I think we have more depth at corner than we do safety. Um, but if that doesn't happen, give me Brian Branch, the freshman who, um, is he going to have, um, some miss assignments and um, some youth moments, absolutely. But I think he, I think he can't be much worse than what we've been getting, to be honest with you. So I like, I like him. Um, I assume Demarco Helms is probably going to get the other safety spot. But if not, watch for Eddie Smith. Um, I think he, I think he can make an impact. He started to generate some buzz toward the end of fall camp. So. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully uh, the defense gets simplified and they come out and look like a totally different team against Georgia. But um, I think that was a great recap of the Alabama Ole Miss game. Um, We'll move on to players of the week. So real quick, um, we'll kind of hit this pretty quickly so we can get to the Alabama-Georgia preview that we've got for you guys. Suave, who was your player of the week in the SEC? I'm going to go with – the Heisman frontrunner candidate, Najee Harris. 26 carries, 206 yards, five touchdowns, three receptions for 42 yards. What a, what an outstanding game. Uh, what's your player of the week, Graham? For my player of the week, I can't go with one player. I'll have to go with one side of the ball, the Kentucky defense. Uh, really showing like up, that, Graham. Really yeah. showing up this week against Mississippi State. Kentucky's defense had six interceptions, six, and then the yeah. only two point, the only two points that Mississippi State scored were on a safety. Uh, kudos and credit to the Kentucky defense, completely shutting down uh, Mississippi State's uh, Mississippi State's offense. Shep, who you got for your player of the week? Uh, for this week. Oh, man, this is a tough one. I think I'm going to go with LSU's Terrace Marshall. Um, man had 11 okay. receptions for 235 yards and three touchdowns. Um, you know, I I heard Suave say Najee is the Heisman front runner. I'm going to uh, combat yeah. that a little bit by his, uh, <laughs> his partner in the backfield, Mac Jones, 28 for 32, 417 and two touchdowns. Huh? Mm-hmm. Huh? Bryce Bryce Young, we're not we're not we're not searching for you, buddy. Hampton, go ahead, <laughs> fill us in. Who's your player of the week? <laughs> well, I, I am with you, um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Shep, that uh, I would pick Mac over Najee right now to 
uh, to win the Heisman or be in the Heisman clubhouse. Um, Najee had an absolutely incredible game, and he was going to be my player of the week. Um, but I'm going to go to the same game that you did, Shep, and I'm going to pick Connor Bazelak from Missouri, um, 29 of 34, 408 yards and 406 yards and four touchdowns against um, LSU and led him to that big upset. I think he played really well, and Grant it looked like he was playing seven on seven out there at times, but <laughs> very, very impressive performance by him. Um, I loved all those picks, Graham. I especially like your pick of Kentucky, and all I'm going to say, Kentucky is probably the second best defense in the SEC uh, behind Georgia. I think um, I think they've kind of proved that um, in the first three weeks of play. Um, so now we get to the fun part, guys. Now we get to making predictions for this upcoming week. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna start off with a big one. Alabama versus Georgia. Uh, the line on this game, I think, is four and a half. Alabama favored by four and a half. Um, playing at Brian Denny under the lights. Uh, hopefully, we'll sneak in a little more fans like Georgia and Texas A&M did. Come on. Um, create a little rattier environment uh, for Georgia to play in. But I want y'all – I'm going to start off with Ship. I want you to give me your prediction, who you think is going to win and by how much, um, and the key to the game in your opinion. All right, so very, very simple here. Alabama has to stop the run, and Mm -hmm. I like Alabama here by four points. Um, I think it's going to be a really tight game. I think it's really – I I don't think the first half is going to be where we see the most – the most effect. I think it's going to be the second half because Georgia always turns it around at half. So I I would say Alabama needs to jump on them early, stop the run, and and see see if they can they can really hammer it down and take them home. Graham, what do you uh what do you think your takeaway for the game is? The the biggest takeaway for me is uh, what defense is going to force turnovers. Uh, when you look at it, Georgia's defense is going to maybe check Alabama's offense. And Georgia's offense isn't stellar. They're not bad, but they're not stellar. They're not as good as Alabama's offense. So the the defense that can create turnovers and maybe get their offense an extra possession or two, uh, I think will be the difference in the game. I'll, I'll take Alabama by six points uh, since they're at home. I think the defense uh, will definitely be better than it was this week. Can't be uh, this past week. Can't be any worse. Uh, maybe Nick Saban lights a fire up under him. Um, Suave, Alabama versus Georgia. What's the key to the game and who's going to win it? I don't know if our governor is going to be too happy about us sneaking in some extra fans for the game, but I'm all for it. Uh, (laughs) Uh, I'm going to pick Alabama to win, and keys is defense. We we have to be able to stop Georgia and get them off the field and put our high-powered explosive offense on the field, and we have to be able to run the ball. We cannot afford to have negative yards like Tennessee did. We, we have to run the ball and use my Heisman front one front runner, uh, Najee Harris, and and then <laughs> use y'all's Heisman front runner, Mac Jones, and put the pressure on them. And I'm gonna take Bama by ten. What's your thoughts on it, Hampton? 
Well, after the game, I was almost, you know, caught up in the heat of the moment. I'm like, George is going to beat us. Um, Not so fast. Not so fast, my friend. (laughs) Not so fast, my friend. I really think stylistically, George's offense kind of plays into what Alabama is good at on defense. Uh, Their quarter, uh, Stetson Bennett is mobile enough. I don't think he's a dynamic athlete like Matt Corral. Um, So I think the Alabama defense will be more equipped to kind of neutralize the Georgia offense. I agree with y'all. The key is to stop the run. Make Stetson Bennett beat you. Um, Primarily make him beat you throwing outside because he doesn't have the, in my opinion, he doesn't have the arm for it. He's been really good up to this point, um, but I think I think there's some flaws in his game. Now, for Alabama offensively, that that matchup between Alabama's offense and Georgia's defense is really interesting because I don't think Georgia's defense has played a good offense, and I don't think Alabama's offense has played a good defense. So I think it's going to be really interesting with how um, Steve Sarkeesian attacks Georgia's defense. Um, I don't believe that they're going to be able to run. We're going or that they're going to be able to run the ball on them consistently, um, like they were against Ole Miss or Missouri. I think the key is Mac Jones being able to throw the ball down the field and getting it into the hands of Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, John Mechie, uh, Najee Harris coming out of the backfield. And by doing that, then that'll loosen up the running game and kind of give Alabama um, maybe a little control of the game as we're going into the second half. And the last thing that I'll say is I'm really interested to see Mac Jones has looked incredible this year, but he hasn't faced a lot of pressure. I'm very interested to see how he responds when Georgia um, turns up the heat on him, um, whether that be by blitz or just by organic pass rush. So, um, I'm, I was going to say Alabama by 10, but give me Alabama by 11, um, just so I'm not exactly like suave. Um, I think it's going to be a heck possible? of a game. What, by 11? Yeah, can you win by 11? <laughs> you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can win by 11. Of course. Hey, Auburn okay. won by one point, three to two one time. Anything can happen. Oh man, I'm I'm just thinking of like eleven to zero. Like, how do you get there? But you can't that way. So, I, I, no, I'm no. you are. Yeah, you are. Tri- <laughs> you are tripping. You no, luckily we, ain't roasting you too bad really right now. Really but really that was that's a take, Papa Shep. Or or a touchdown, two point conversion, and a field goal. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. my brain hurts. I know. Too much math. That one, hey, one of our majors in college. So we'll move on um, from the <laughs> arithmetic lesson for this week. Um, the other uh, the other game that we'll kind of talk about briefly, which um, honestly, I don't really know if it's going to happen anymore. Um, so we'll kind of go through it pretty quick. But Florida playing LSU um, in the swamp. Who do you got, Graham, and by how much? I think that LSU probably would not want to play this week. You you get beat by a Missouri team. 
and you have to turn around and face a, a high-powered offense uh, with Kyle Trask in Florida. Uh, if the game is played in Gainesville, I will take uh, Florida by 12 points. Um, but okay. I, I think that if the game is played, I believe it will probably be fairly high-scoring. Uh, neither of the defenses have looked that that good this season. I'll take Florida by 12 points. I'm going to go with you on Suave, that who are you going with? I believe this game is going to be very high scoring. I'm going to go with Florida, and I'm going to go because of the max capacity. Dan Mullen said he's going to expect 90,000 and 50,000 students to be there rooting for them. So so that's why I'm going to take Florida. And I'm going to take Florida by 14. What about yeah. Well, I I don't know where y'all think this high scoring offense of LSU is coming from, um, but I I'm gonna take Florida by 21. I dude, Miles Brennan is horrible. I hate like Hampton said, you hate to call people out, but he's trash. I mean, <laughs> they played Missouri last week. Like, come on, man. Like, I'm I, LSU's got to get it figured out, and I definitely don't think they figure anything out this week. Florida. They'll get back to to somewhat of a decent defense, but offensively, nobody's stopping them. I like Florida by 21. Hampton, round us out here on this pick. Who you got? Give me Florida by 17. Offense too good, and I think their defense makes improvements to stymie that LSU offense. Um, Yeah, I got Florida by 17. So we'll move to the rapid fire portion of our uh, our SEC picks. So we'll go Auburn, South Carolina. South Carolina. Uh, Suave, who you got? Home, and uh, they just got a big win off of Vandy. So I'm going to go with South Carolina. What about you, Shep? Ooh, South Carolina. By how how many? Okay. Nice. I like it, Suave. I'm going to also take South Carolina. I like them by 10. Just think Auburn doesn't really have it figured out, and South Carolina's proven they can score. Uh, Graham, what you think on this game? I'm going to go with Auburn uh, by, let's say, three points. Auburn field goal kicker, pretty good. I'll take him three points. Hampton, what you think? <laughs> Auburn pulled this one out? Wrong. No, they did not pull it out. Um, I've got South Carolina winning by – give me South Carolina by 10 as well. Um, hey, can I, I do point on Auburn? Of course you can. Real quick. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, Graham, you said earlier you really think that, you know, they may have the pieces to, to put together a good team. Um, and that sure. really made me think about, you know, I think they may have the pieces to the puzzle, but the person mm-hmm. who's putting the puzzle together can't fit them into the puzzle. Okay. That's okay. just my take on it. I, I, you know, you got to start with the top, and the top isn't there, so therefore the bottom's not going to be there. But, but Hampton, go ahead. I'm sorry I had to go on a soapbox there. <laughs> no, you're good. I've just got South Carolina by 10. I don't buy Auburn. Auburn should have lost to Arkansas last week. Um, but, of course, the voodoo and Jordan Hare uh, put a trance on the referees and gave them a favorable call at the end. So give me um, South Carolina by 10. Uh, the next game that we will pick is Kentucky at Tennessee. Uh, Graham, who do you got? Uh, I would like to say that I'm offended by what uh, Shep said. That hurts my feelings. Um, no, I agree kidding. with Shep for uh, what it's worth. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just kidding. 
Uh, South Carolina only win against uh, a Vandy. Take that on That's somewhere right. else. Hey, Vandy's a good team. Uh, hey, yes, sir. Okay. Never <laughs> forget. Oh, hey, they're the best 0 3 team I've ever seen. I give them that. <laughs> um, going to this pick, uh, I'll take uh, Tennessee at home. Very low scoring. Very low scoring. I think both teams are really going to try and run the football. Uh, Tennessee didn't do it against Georgia. They're going to really focus in on that this week. Uh, I'll take Tennessee by uh, by seven points. I'll take Tennessee by seven points. Pretty low scoring game. Shep, since I called you out, who you got? Yeah, I like Tennessee in this one also. Um, I think it's going to be important for them for both teams to run the ball, like you mentioned. I like Tennessee uh, by fourteen here, though. I think they're going to have just a little more to outlast. Um, their offensive line has proven that they're they're pretty solid. I'm gonna go with Tennessee, um, and I'm gonna agree about for this with game? you. Uh, Tennessee have to get back to run the football, and I'm gonna take Tennessee by seventeen. What about you, Hampton? Mm. Um, I got Tennessee as well. I think they're going to bounce back uh, from that Georgia loss and kind of keep building on with Jeremy Pruitt is um, trying to establish over there in Knoxville. Give me Tennessee by 13 um, against the Kentucky Wildcats. The next game that we got is Ole Miss at Arkansas. Um, Low-key, kind of an interesting game. Never would have thought that before the season started. So, swap who you got between the two and by how much. I, I do believe Arkansas is going to get a couple stops on defense, but I think Ole Miss's offense is going to just go go over the top of them. Well, what about you, Graham? This is really an interesting game. Arkansas uh, has played with uh, every team that they faced this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they should have beaten Auburn. Uh, they beat Mississippi State. They were in the game against Georgia for a good part of it. Um, Arkansas is really good at playing uh, to their competition. Um, I, I will say, uh, since they're in Arkansas, it makes it a whole lot closer than the scoreboard is going to say. I'll take Ole Miss by 17, uh, but the, but the scoreboard is not going to tell the story at the end of the day. Uh, the game's going to be closer uh, than that, but 17 points is going to be the difference. Ole Miss will score late. Chip, who you think? Yeah. Your Ole Miss offense going to tear it up? I'm with you. I think their offense is going to tear it up. I like Ole Miss by 14 here. Um, I think, you know, don't don't get too – you know, I'm 14 Ole Miss. You know, you said – what you say, 17 there, Graham? Um, I did. And then, Suave, you were pretty high on Ole Miss as well. Um, I think, you know – yeah, 10. So, I think Arkansas, you know, last week Felipe Franks, 318 yards, four touchdowns. He's proven maybe he's got some mm-hmm. signs of Kellen Mondish days in him. So I like <laughs> Ole Miss here, but Arkansas, mm-hmm. Arkansas, watch out. They may sneak up on folks. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Ole Miss by 21, but I agree with Graham's point. It'll be uh, closer than what the scoreboard says. I think the scoreboard won't tell the whole story. I've got Ole Miss and that high fine offense. Matt Crow, too good, too much for the Hogs this week in Fayetteville. Texas A&M, go ahead, Graham. What you got, buddy? 
I was going to ask just really quick, uh, the difference between Arkansas last year and this year, that mainly coaching or is that some uh, Felipe Franks transfer, you you think, Hampton, just your your expertise on the matter? You think the coaching really plays that big of a difference or is it the the quarterback they found? You're trying to sweep me up by saying expertise. I like it, Graham. That's how you get Mm -hmm. a pay raise over here. Um, (laughs) I I think it's coaching, man. I think Mm – I think Sam Pittman's trying to establish a culture over there. Of, mm-hmm. um, I think they're a tough football team. I think they have a great defensive coordinator in Barry Odom. I do think Felipe's played really well, um, but their offensive coordinator's been doing a good job. I really think it's mm-hmm. coaching because I don't think Felipe is that special of a player. Um, so mm-hmm. I give all the cre- or a lot of the credit to Sam Pittman. I think he's – uh, doing really, really well over there. But great, great question, though. Great question. Yeah, I, I, I'd hate to add it. I just hate to add it on to the end. But yeah, we, like we said, uh, the scoreboard is is well, the game's going to be close, and the scoreboard might not reflect that. And Arkansas's playing. Uh, they played some some tough games and uh, played most of them close. So I just wanted to get your opinion on that for any Arkansas fans out there. So we can keep going, Hampton. Yeah. Hey, yeah, no problem, man. Great, uh, great to bring that up. Texas A&M traveling to Starkville to play uh, the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Who do you got, Shep, and by how much? Yeah, I like Texas A&M here. Um, Even though they're not at home, I think Mississippi State just has a lot of question marks. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. something something for our listeners to kind of think about, you know, is the air raid overrated? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, they're still throwing the ball 60 times, but they're not putting up any points to show for it. So, I don't – I think Mississippi State, you know, that first week they were just really ready for LSU, and they've kind of taken a back seat as Mike Leach teams tend to do at times. Um, I yep. like Texas A&M. I like them by 14. I think they may win bigger, but they're not at home, so you don't know what you're going to get with Kellen Mond. Graham, what are you what are you thinking about Texas A and M in this game? Uh, I think that the SEC has found a has found a way to limit the Mike Leach offense. Uh, week one, they play LSU and absolutely light up the scoreboard, and then they play uh, Arkansas and Mississippi State scores fourteen points. All right, and then this last week they score two, and that's not the offense. I think Texas. I think Texas A&M. Uh, if they watch the film, they'll understand how to stop Mississippi State. So, if uh, the coaches aren't uh, too high on the on the game from last week, if they actually focus on this one, I, I think they can get the win. Um, Texas A&M. Uh, I'll take by twenty. Um, but like I said, I, I don't think Mississippi State probably scores that much. Their offense is very, very lackluster. KJ Costello turning the ball over a ton. Um, Suave, you think Texas A&M wins no, big on this one, or Texas does Mississippi A&M State Mississippi does their State offense rebound? A lot of questions for me. I think the reason they score forty four on LSU is because it was the first game of the season, and I mean, did LSU receive like any kind kind of film of what kind of offense they would run? I think we see over the past few weeks that the teams have been looking at the film and they know how to stop Mississippi State, as you pointed out, the scores, 14 against Arkansas and two against Kentucky. And it wasn't even the offense to put up the two. And the interceptions and the turnovers, they bother me. In the the SEC, if you throw six interceptions, I don't see you winning a game. 
I mean, maybe pulling out one way or another, but I just don't see it. What about you, Hampton? Uh, I got to push back a little bit on um, – I don't think – as there, you know, people got film on Mike Leach and were like, "Oh, now we know what to do." I just think that first week, LSU defense coordinator, as you could see by that performance against Missouri, um, I don't think he has those guys prepared with um, Missouri throwing for 400 yards on them. So I think it was more how bad LSU's defense was instead of, um, you know, how good or new Mike Leach's offense was. Um, but I got to go A&M here. Give me A&M by 17. Um, I just think they're too too talented, and they'll have a game plan to kind of limit Leach's attack. And then real quick, no no need for any analysis. Just give me um, who's going to win and by how much. Missouri Vanderbilt, ship. Missouri, 21. Graham, what you got? I'll take Missouri – 22. <laughs> Missouri by 14. Suave. So Suave. Whoa, whoa. Give me, give me Missouri by 24. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Van, Vanderbilt's, a, Vanderbilt's a good team. Uh, they just don't show it. So, uh, well, Missouri. I'm, an, I'm an idiot, y'all. This game got postponed, so there was no need to actually um, <laughs> yeah. actually I pick this one. I didn't know it got postponed. It got postponed about, yeah, about, due to COVID. Yep. Yes, sir. I was, I was about to say that. All right, so that's a win for Vanderbilt, <laughs> yes, I'll sir, say, because they yeah, didn't get another loss. <laughs> but, yeah. hey, Vanderbilt <laughs> can not only defeat the virus, it defeated hey, Missouri. State, Come where on. You at? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. hey Vander, Vanderbilt uh, not losing is also winning. So Vanderbilt won this one, even though they couldn't play. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Well, guys, another great week of SEC talk with y'all. I think we, I think we did a good job of breaking down uh, the previous week games, but also looking ahead to the big uh, marquee matchup between Alabama and Georgia, and what is probably the biggest game of the year um, in not only the SEC but in college football. So, uh, I'm thank y'all for joining me again tonight. As always, it's a it's a blast doing these with you. Um, each and every week, and we will be back next week recapping uh, Alabama, Georgia, giving you insight into what that result means and looking ahead to week five of SEC action. So uh, enjoy this Saturday, everyone, and we will talk to you all next week.